0: Welcome to another podcast of the Word of God. Today we will be looking at the fifth Sunday of Easter. The fifth Sunday of Easter. Now let me remind you, we are in the Book of Common Prayer daily lectionary. In the Book of Common Prayer, at the end of the book is listed readings on a weekly basis according to the church calendar. We began with Advent at the end of 2020, four weeks, followed by Christmas, several weeks, a couple of weeks, followed by Epiphany. In Epiphany, Jesus is showing himself. Then we turn to Lent. We had five weeks in Lent, followed by Holy Week. At the end of Holy Week, we celebrated the greatest day in the church calendar, the resurrection of Christ from the dead, Easter day following Easter, we have seven weeks of Easter, seven weeks. At the end of that time, we celebrate the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost happens, it's it's an Old Testament term, uh, very much associated with Israel, happens 50 days after Easter day. We are in the fourth and now fifth uh, week of Easter, so we're about the middle point and we are looking at Old Testament, New Testament, and gospel readings. And again, as I've said repeatedly, if you would like to study and read the psalm, that's available to you also. For morning prayer, for evening prayer. I also mentioned last week that the book of wisdom is a book that was noted in the week of for Easter or the fourth Sunday of Easter and it also continues into the fifth Sunday and we are not going through this book because it's in the Apocrypha. Now I don't consider the Apocrypha to be the Word of God. The Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church do consider parts of the Apocrypha to be the Word of God. But the Anglican Church regards it as apocrypha. Okay? So we, were gonna, we are going to focus primarily on the New Testament reading and the gospel. Now, the gospel has been Luke for some time, and it will continue to be Luke. Today we'll be looking at Luke 7:36 through 9:17. Jesus is journeying. Jesus is uh, doing ministry. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's casting out devils, he's doing miracles. And so we'll see what. Luke tells us in those several chapters. First, we'll look at the New Testament. Now, last week we looked at Colossians. So now we're at the end of Colossians, 318 to 418, which is the end of the the book. Four chapters in the book of Colossians, a very dense book, as I think I mentioned last time, a very significant book, very high Christology. Uh, if you want to say that academically. Now, verses 18 to the end of chapter 3 are very peculiar. They are rules for Christian households. So they govern the wife, the husband, the children, the fathers, the slaves, and their masters. Again, what I'm doing with you on a weekly basis is just sharing several ideas to get you started and to get you thinking. Uh, The day-by-day study of each of these verses is voluminous. Uh, Scholars have been looking at the rules for Christian households uh, at the end of um, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22 to the end of the chapter, and Colossians 3.18 to the end of the chapter for years and years and years and years. So we have the famous phrase, Wives, submit yourself to the husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. 18, 19, 20, and 21. So as you're reading this, you want to get a flavor of what Paul is saying in terms of the way we conduct ourselves. All right. And so this is a very simple reading, only in the sense it's very understandable. People know what husbands are, they know what wives are, they know what marriage is about. They know what children are about. And so the Lord, the scriptures give us information about how to deal with them. Now, we do not have a slave culture. And um, so the idea of masters and servants uh, is a very interesting one in the New Testament. Now, that would be a good example of you'd have to pull up a commentary or two or three or four to get a real good handle on what's going on in that uh, in that situation. Chapter four, verse one, masters treat your bond servants justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So masters are people that have slaves are to treat their slave very well because they're going to have to give an account to God himself. And also he is the ultimate master. He is the great master. And so we need to be very um, much aware that we actually all serve a master. And if we have people that work for us, work with us, or in any way slaves for us, we need to be very sensitive uh, and aware of that situation. Now, the issue of slavery in the first century, that's way beyond uh, the Word of God podcast. We simply let you know that that is actually present, and then Paul comes up with a recommendation to deal with them. Now, the end of the book, he has some just wonderful wisdom for us in ethical living, Verse 2 of chapter 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us, very personalized there. He says, uh, walk in wisdom, verse 5, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time, very wise, very very good advice for all of us. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. That's pretty oft-quoted scripture, uh, so that you may know how to answer each person. So, you know, if, ever, if all of us took seriously Colossians 4, 6, we'd be a lot better people, and we'd get along a lot better. We, our speech would be gracious. It would be seasoned well. We would have wisdom. We would have a very good handle on how to talk to people. We may know how to answer each person. So that is something I can work on every single day, and I'm sure you, you can find that for yourself. Now, the end of the book is talking about the people that he knows and the people that he's working with Um, Paul obviously is not doing this on his own. So he's got people that work with him. He's got people that he sends out. He's got people that are fellow folks that he disciples, that he sends out that are evangelists just like him. And so it just gives us some insight of how they treated each other. Uh, And so that's a wonderful text right there as we conclude Colossians chapter 4. Now, the lectionary then goes into Romans, interestingly, Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15, back to Romans. Now, Romans 1 through 8 is significantly different from ten to, uh, 9, 10, and 11, which is significantly different from Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15. Now... Overall, Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15 are very instructive. They're very practical. There's a lot of doctrine in chapters 1 through 8, and a significant amount of doctrine uh, as it pertains to Israel in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15 in in Romans are much more practical, much more ethically oriented. After all this doctrine that we've been studying and all these uh, different views uh, that Paul has in one through eleven. He says, This is this is what you're supposed to be doing. A classic example of that would be in chapter twelve, verse nine, where he says, and again, if we all could do this like a couple of verses that I read in Colossians, we'd be in great shape. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. That is a great Series of phrases for all of us. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, verse 12. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So he's saying, all right, here's what you need to be thinking about. Here's what you need to be doing. Again, verses uh, 9 to 21. Look at 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You could, you could literally, your whole life could be spent reading 9 to 21, seeing how that applies to you uh, and me, seeing how, what the Lord is saying to you regarding those scriptures. Again, very instructive on in what you're supposed to do, very instructive on in what you're not supposed to do. So what you want to do is ask the Holy Spirit to come, along, come alongside of you to encourage you to do what the scriptures are saying. But first you got to read them. The whole point of the word of God is You've got to read the Word of God. You've got to think about it. You've got to reflect on it. And this is the time on a daily basis that I hope that you are taking that responsibility. In chapter 13, he talks about the famous uh, first uh, seven verses about the authority of the state. Many, many Christians have studied that from a geopolitical um, stance for hundreds of years. And then finally, uh, again, back to the practicality in verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another for the one that loves one another has fulfilled the law. And so again, love one another. Love one another as yourself, verse 9. Love does not do wrong to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, verse 10. Can't get more practical than loving other people. Not not possible. Chapter 14, again, the continuation of of ethical imperatives, moral teaching. Remember, moral teaching and ethical imperatives are founded upon doctrine. They're founded upon indicative statements. They're founded upon true statements. And based on those true statements, those indicative statements, we then live accordingly. So Christianity is not just assessing and um, acquiring information or being smart about what we know, it's also being very practical and living a moral and a godly life, which illustrates what you know. Now, when that doesn't happen, we have a word that all of us know, and that's called hypocrisy. Duplicity, if it's a little bit more serious. So people don't like to see that. You wanna be very congruous in your faith in terms of what you know, and you also want to have uh, congruity with the way you behave, the way you act, what you say and what you do. And of course he concludes on Saturday with a reading from uh, Romans chapter 15. Okay, so read those carefully, fairly long readings, a lot very densely packed in there, very thoughtful. Uh, Paul does not waste a lot of words, enjoy. Now, one of the important things in our spiritual lives is to be reading the gospels pretty much on a daily basis now you're not going to read romans every day you're not going to read colossians every day you're not going to read hebrews every day you're not going to read james every day first john second john etc these um, letters the epistles it is important to read a letter every day or a prophet uh, a psalm uh, a proverb uh, genesis the pentateuch revelation i mean uh, genesis deuteronomy etc But the gospel is a good thing to read every day, some section of the gospel. That's why the gospels are in every single service, every single time that we congregate. All right, we go to chapter 7, verse 36. Chapter 7, verse 36. And we are dealing with the sinful woman. And again, Jesus is teaching, he is at the Pharisees' house, he is open to people that are sinners. And he has this fantastic teaching that he shares with us in um, Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. And so it's a beautiful statement. Um, And I like these interactions between Jesus and other people because the way the gospel writers set it up, particularly uh, good with this, is John. As you know, John has long discourses with people. And the discourses set up the text They set up the information that he wants to share. They set up the gospel message. They set up how you deal with people and how you deal with their questions and their answers. And so that's a beautiful um, uh, text about love. Chapter 18, uh, chapter 8, I'm sorry. We have the women accompanying Jesus. And remember Mary Magdalene? Let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Soon after he, he went on through cities, and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Okay, that's what his job was: proclaiming and bringing the good news, which we call the gospel. And the twelve were with him. Okay, Peter, James, John, etc., and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Quite an extraordinary healing and deliverance. From whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chutza, Herod's household manager, Herod's household manager, can you imagine? And Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So these women came alongside with the disciples and ministered to Jesus, and out of their own abundance, or whatever they had, they took care of him. Which is a beautiful thing. We go further in chapter eight to look at chapter eight, one through 15, when we look at the parable of the sower and the purpose of parables. And Luke gives us his interpretation of the parable of the sower, very famous parable about the seeds and about the sowing of seeds and the purpose of parables. Now what Jesus is doing is he's being instructive. He's telling us what things mean. He's speaking to us in such a way to impart knowledge and impart wisdom. Why is he doing that? He's doing that so, A, we will know what is true, and B, how to live accordingly. In the parable of the sower, he shares with us, here's the way it works. There's four kinds of soils out there. There's four kinds of ways that people respond to the gospel. Of those four ways, only one works, 25%, and that's the seed that falls on good soil. You want your seed, you want the seed which is the Word of God to fall on good soil. So you want, we want to prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God so that when it falls or it's proclaimed, you hear it. Now this is a wonderful metaphor for your study and preparation as you're reading the scriptures and listening to this podcast. You want, to, or, or looking at it or, uh, in terms of video, you want to hear the Word as we go through this together and as you do it personally you want that word to touch you okay you don't want it to have you don't want it to transpire the way it did did in this uh, parable in the first instance the second and the third so read that closely and enjoy it he gives more uh, instruction about lighting a lamp and about um, letting your light showing in 16 to uh, 17 18 then his mothers and brothers want to see him and he has this wonderful statement which i love immensely my mother and my brothers are those that hear the word of god and do it so in the the bottom line is you want to hear the word of god you want to understand it you want to understand what it means okay take your time to do that but in the end you got to go out and do it you got to do what it says now obviously you don't know what what to do if you don't know what it is. That's why we're doing this podcast. So I will encourage you on a weekly basis to go and listen to the word of God. And then I also encourage and pray for you to go out and do it. Be faithful in doing that. Okay? Jesus calms the storm in verses uh, 22 to 25 in Luke. Extraordinary miracle, to say the least. Extraordinary. No one else could do that. And then he questions and says, where's your faith? Why don't you trust me? They've already been with him for some time. And when he does something like that, they're wowed. He even commands the winds and the water. Next, he heals a man with a demon. Do you see what's happening here? What Luke is putting together are vignettes of his day and different instances in the way he approaches people and events, the way he teaches, casting out devils, having power over nature, loving people, responding to people. It's quite, quite amazing person, to say the least. So he heals a man with the demon, has many demons, legion, as a matter of fact, and he does this extraordinary healing for this person. Then we go to another healing where he heals a woman and raises Jairus' daughter. As he's walking in, as he's walking to see Jairus, his daughter, a woman touches him from behind, and she's instantly healed. Very powerful. Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. So they were hoping that Jesus would get there before the person died because who could raise anybody from the dead, right? Jesus says, quite shockingly, do not fear, verse 50, only believe and she will be well. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the child. They were weeping and mourning. Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Laughed, knowing she was dead. Are you kidding me? She's dead. Taking her by the hand, he said, child, arise. Her spirit returned and she got up at once. (laughs) He directed that something should be given to her to eat, that it's not a phantom or anything, thats actually real. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. So again, we have this extraordinary person calming the wind and the waves, raising some somebody from the dead. Somebody comes behind him and touches him. He casts out devil, 100 uh, who knows how many devils that Legion had in that text I referred to earlier. Now, what is the point? The point is that people are responding to him in faith based on what he's doing. Finally, we have the sending out of the 12 apostles in chapter 9, 1 to 17, and the feeding of the 5,000. So the feeding of the 5,000 is men only, so there's probably 15 to 20,000 people there. He feeds them. Let's see what he's got there. You give them something to eat. We have five loaves and two fish. 5,000 men, 5,000 men, that's not counting the women and the children, had them sit down in groups of 50. He takes the five loaves and the two fish, very famous, uh, very famous event. He looks up to heaven, he says a blessing. He breaks the loaves, he gives it to the disciples to set before the crowd. They ate it, they were satisfied, and they had 12 baskets of broken pieces. He starts with five loaves and two fish. The fish were small and the bread was small. He takes five small pieces of bread and five small, two small fish and 12 basketfuls are left over. Again, a person that can cast out devils, walk on water, stop the wind and the waves, raise someone from the dead, preach like he does, that can be done. But not everybody's seeing it. So back to the parable of the soul. You want to be able to see what's going on. You want to be part of that good soul. You don't want the first three. You want the last one. Enjoy your reading this week and your study and your reflections on these scriptures. I hope you enjoy them. They're certainly worth thinking about. God bless you and we'll see you next week.